So turn with me, if you will, to John's Gospel, chapter 1. And I'd like to read the first 14 verses. All of us are reading this evening from the authorized version, but you will have no problem reading in your ESV. May the Lord bless the reading of his word, John 1, this great prologue to John's gospel. This is the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own. And his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. People of God, there is no greater mystery than the mystery of the incarnation of our Lord. And how I enjoy almost every year, at some point or other during the Christmas season, attempting to plumb the depths of the incarnation by looking at least briefly at this text. Surely it is among the most precious of texts this prologue to John's gospel. It is incomparable. It is sublime. And certainly we cannot, in our brief time with it tonight, do it justice. Nonetheless, will you look at this text with me and see several things? First of all, our Lord Jesus Christ is eternal. Our Lord Jesus Christ is eternal. Verse 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now when you hear, in the beginning was the Word, immediately you think of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But the point here is that before there was creation, there always had been the Word, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. He was the pre-existent Son. He did not begin to exist. When creation began, he had always been. John 17, 5, in his high priestly prayer, our Lord Jesus Christ spoke of the glory that he had with the Father before the world was. In Colossians 1, 17, Paul the Apostle says, Christ was before all things. John's point is that there was never a time when the Word was not But the Word has always been. Our Lord Jesus Christ has always been from eternity. But then moving on in our text, we also see, secondly, 
that our Lord Jesus Christ is distinct from the Father, yet one with the Father. The Father and the Word are two persons, and yet one in essence. Just look at the text. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God. Actually, it could be translated face-to-face with God, speaking of the distinction between the Father and the Son. And yet both persons are co-equal from eternity with the Holy Spirit. These are the sorts of texts from which the Christian doctrine of the Trinity comes. One God in three persons. The inexplicable mystery of it all is simply beyond us, but there is no Christianity without this truth. There is no Christianity without the Trinity. And therefore, though distinguishable from the Father, yet thirdly, our text tells us that our Lord Jesus Christ is God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, God. Now again, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the Word was God. Absolute clarity, a bold-faced declaration that Jesus Christ is God. He is not a created being. He is not inferior to the Father. Jesus is God in all of his perfections and in all of his attributes. He says in John 14, have I been so long with you, Philip, and yet you have not known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. In John 10:30, he says, I and the Father are one. Now let me ask you this question. As we move along in these great theological propositions found in John 1:1 and in this text, Are you delighting in these things? Are you enjoying these things? One of the great fathers of the past says, It is rashness to search too far into it. It is piety to believe it. It is eternal, life eternal to know it. And we can never have a full comprehension of it until we come to enjoy it. Oh, you should delight in these wondrous truths. And in verse 2 we are told, He was in the beginning with God. Again, one in essence, yet distinct. One of the Puritan fathers said, Ask the sun if ever it were without its beams. Ask the fountain if it were without its streams. So God was never without his son. When you bow before Christ, you bow before God. Jesus Christ is God. And as God... Fourthly, we learn from our text that our Lord Jesus Christ is the creator of all things. So in verse 3, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Since all created things are from him, then he can be no creature. Jesus Christ created the worlds. In Colossians 1.16 we are told, for by him all things were created in heaven and earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. In Hebrews 1-2 we are told, in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And in John 5-19, whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So Jesus Christ is the creator 
of the universe. But then also, fifthly, we see in this prologue that our Lord Jesus Christ is the source of life and light. So we are told in verses 4 and 5, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The light shines in the darkness. Most never comprehend it, do you? But if anyone has life, it is through Christ the light of men. He is the creator of all things. He is the source also of the new creation. So we are told in 1 John 5.11, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in His Son. No one knows or enjoys spiritual life but through Christ. When God spoke the creative word in Genesis, a world teeming with light and life came to be. In John, to be separated from the life of Christ is to be in darkness. It's a recurrent theme in John's gospel. And so in verse 9, when we read, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world, it means that Jesus alone can make plain to anyone the meaning and purpose of life. And only Jesus Christ can make plain to you and me that we are lost sinners and that He is the Savior. If there's someone here and you're thinking to yourself, I don't need to hear about a Savior because I'm not a sinner, you stand next to Jesus Christ and tell me that. The holy, eternal, sinless Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, who can stand in His presence and not see Himself to be a needy sinner one needing a Savior, and to recognize in Him alone the Savior of our souls. But then let me point out, sixthly, which is the point for which we are here, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is Creator, who is God Himself. Our Lord Jesus Christ is God incarnate, God who assumed human nature, God who took upon Himself flesh and blood. Verse 14, And the Word, this eternal Word, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the greatest of mysteries, but it is absolutely true. He who suffered on the cross was God manifest in the flesh. Children, young people, listen to me. We are not simply at Christmas speaking in sentimental terms. We are not saying you just see something about God when you look to Bethlehem and see the child lying in a manger. We are saying that the second person of the Trinity descended into this sinful world and assumed human nature. Why the incarnation? That which was not taken could not be healed. Someone is well written, if Christ had not taken the whole man, he could not have saved the soul. That is why God took up his residence among us. Let me tell you why. The reason he came, it is because God in his eternal plan determined that he would save his people from our sins. How? Man fell into sin. Man broke the law. Man must pay the penalty. 
But who can pay a penalty to a perfect God but a perfect man? Can you find one? Is, is it you? Is there one sitting next to you? Is there any in the world but Jesus Christ? Ah, but he also must pay the penalty, and the penalty that he pays must have infinite value. Well, only God is infinite. And therefore, the sacrifice that he made of himself on the cross in order to have infinite value means that he also must be God. And so the great conundrum is solved in the great purpose and plan of God. Yes, there is a perfect man that can stand as last Adam. Adam broke the law, Jesus keeps the law. Adam could not pay the penalty, Jesus pays the penalty. And yes, his sacrifice has infinite value because he is God manifest in the flesh. Two natures in one person accomplishing your redemption. That's what Christmas is. That's the meaning of the cradle. It leads to the cross. And so he says, we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. They beheld his glory, John and others, because he was an historical person. Because Christianity is based on facts. Now notice, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But when you come to verse 14, you have a different verb, don't you? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. To explain the exact meaning and significance of that verb became is beyond the ability of any theologian, preacher, or exegete. Who can explain what it means that God assumed human nature? But he did. Did you ever think about the fact that the only way you will ever see God is in the incarnate Christ? Believer, when you get to heaven, the only way in which you will see him is as the God-man. You will see the nail prints in his hands. The God-man, the man, the real man, the true man, 100% man, but also 100% God. But let me tell you something else. There's a verse we didn't read. And that verse tells us that our Lord Jesus Christ reveals the Father's heart. It's in verse 18. Look at it. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. Is it possible to know God? Is there someone here tonight and you're wondering, can I really know God? Is it possible to know God? Is it possible for me to know God's heart towards sinners? The answer to the question is yes. The text actually uses a verb from which we derive our verb exegete. Now when you study the text and analyze the text, you're exegeting the text. Well, in the same way the Son exegetes the heart of the Father. He makes Him known. Luther quotes Seneca, speech is the image of the heart. The Word of God is the image of the heart of the Father. 
So the Word made flesh reveals God's own heart, and only God can reveal God. God wanted to know a people, and look at the lengths to which He has gone to commune with us, to fellowship with us, to know us, and to show us His love. The author of creation became a part of His very creation. Has God come to save us? Let us draw these implications. If God has come to save us, then you should trust Him. Here you will find your Creator to be your Redeemer. Light and life will pervade your soul. The meaning of life will be clear. You will know the Father's heart and your sin will be forgiven. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world because that's who this little baby was. The sacrificial Lamb that would grow and obey the law that we broke and pay the penalty on the cross. Behold the Lamb of God. Yes, in Mary's arms, it's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. It is not in our power to ascend to God, but He came to us. Do you know Him? Do you trust Him? Because there's no other Savior but Jesus. You know, every year my goal is to help us to be filled with wonder at what God has done in the birth of Christ. And I love to remind you, as I did on this past Sunday, perhaps in more detail, that the infinite became finite, that the eternal became subject to time, that the independent became dependent, that the divine became human, that God became man. But the mystery is deeper than that, isn't it? Because the infinite became finite without ceasing to be infinite. The eternal subject to time without ceasing to be eternal. The independent became dependent without ceasing to be independent. The divine became human without ceasing to be divine. God, He really did, God really did become man without ceasing to be God. You explain that. I close our meditation with one of my favorite Christmas quotes because I think it's so powerful. Take it to heart. It's from an author whose name is Milne. If Jesus Christ shares the nature of God, we are called upon to worship Him without cessation. Obey Him without hesitation. Love Him without reservation. And serve Him without interruption. Will you? God's people said. Amen.